The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proves there's more than one way to make history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about a private joke that went a little too far and wound up snowballing into one of the most successful media hoaxes of the entire 20th century. The day was December 28, 1917. Baltimore journalist Henry L. Mencken published a faux history of the bathtub titled a neglected anniversary. The article first appeared in the New York Evening Mail, and it lamented the fact that Americans had neglected to celebrate a recent milestone in the history of plumbing, the 75th anniversary of the invention of the modern bathtub. According to Mencken, the tub had been the brainchild of a Cincinnati cotton dealer named Adam Thompson. Made of mahogany and lined with lead, the peculiar vessel was said to have been introduced by Thompson to his guests at a Christmas party on December 20, 1842. That meant that in December 1917, the bathtub's diamond anniversary had just come and gone unnoticed. Mencken bemoaned the country's failed observance, noting that, quote, not a plumber fired a salute or hung out a flag, not a governor proclaimed a day of prayer. The journalist then attempted to right that great wrong by offering a detailed history of the bathtub in America. He explained that when bathtubs first arrived on U.S. shores in the 1840s, they became the subject of bitter controversy. Pundits branded the bathtub as a decadent, undemocratic invention, while those within the medical establishment warned of the health risk posed by bathing regularly. According to Mencken, the bad press had such an ill effect on the public's perception of bathtubs that some cities tried to ban them altogether. 
It wasn't until 1851 that the bathtub became widely accepted, a change which Mencken attributed to President Millard Fillmore installing one in the White House. H.L. Mencken's colorful history of the bathtub quickly became the accepted version of events. Cincinnati even started billing itself as the birthplace of the American bathtub. In the years that followed, dozens of newspapers reprinted the article. Then, medical journals and encyclopedias began to cite it as well. Eventually, it was even referred to by politicians on the floor of Congress. The problem was, nothing in Mencken's article was actually true. The modern bathtub was not invented in Cincinnati, and 19th century Americans didn't believe that bathing was unhealthy. It also wasn't true that cities had outlawed bathtubs, nor that Millard Fillmore had introduced the first tub to the White House. In reality, Andrew Jackson had one installed there in 1834, eight years before Mencken claimed the bathtub was even invented. The author later claimed his apocryphal account was all a joke and that he never dreamed people would take it seriously. As he put it, quote, My motive was simply to have some harmless fun in war days. However, that wasn't the whole truth. Although Mencken certainly got a kick out of the article, he didn't intend for the public to be in on the joke. He had written it as a deliberate hoax meant to test the gullibility of both his readers and his fellow journalists. Mencken had lost his faith in society's ability to tell the difference between fact and fiction, and his made-up article was a cynical way of confirming that suspicion. H.L. Mencken had personal and professional reasons to doubt the public's powers of discernment. During the build-up to the First World War, anti-German propaganda had begun to dominate the news. And while Mencken didn't agree with Germany's politics, he bristled at the outright lies being spread about the German people. One thing he found particularly galling was the common portrayal of Germans as vicious barbarians, including the unchallenged claim that they gleefully bayoneted Belgian babies for sport. Mencken was already an established newspaper man by the time World War I broke out, but because of his support for German culture, he was basically blackballed from political reporting during the war. In late 1916, he was finally hired to travel as a reporter to the Eastern Front to cover the hostilities. His goal was to bring a more balanced perspective on the war to American newspapers, but once he got back home, he discovered that the majority of his dispatches had not been published as agreed. The American public had already bought into the idea that every German citizen was a cold-blooded killer, and publishers didn't dare print anything to the contrary. America's one-sided approach to wartime reporting forced Mencken to turn to non-political writing in order to make a living. In 1917, he released a collection of literary criticism, and in 1918, he wrote a book on women's standing in society called In Defense of Women. But in between those two projects, he decided to vent his frustration about having his political views suppressed by pulling a prank on readers and editors alike. A neglected anniversary was a somewhat spiteful private joke intended to prove to Mencken and his friends that the American public would gladly accept lies as truth so long as they were appealing to their imaginations, emotions, or preconceived beliefs. The article was accepted as conventional wisdom both because Mencken was a respected journalist and because he had so convincingly supported his fanciful claims 
with made-up citations and imaginary statistics, which all sounded real. Unfortunately, the story caught on better than the author ever could have expected. In eight years after its initial publication, Mencken decided it was finally time to set the record straight. He confessed the truth in a follow-up article for the Chicago Tribune titled Melancholy Reflections. All I care to do today, he wrote, is to reiterate in the most solemn and awful terms that my history of the bathtub was pure buncombe. If there were any facts in it, they got there accidentally and against my design. But today, the tale is in the encyclopedias. History, said a great American soothsayer, is bunk. Mencken's expose didn't stop the spread of his phony bathtub history. In fact, many people thought his confession was the hoax and continued to believe the original article. The journalist published several more articles disavowing his hoax, but by that point, the myth had already taken on a life of its own, and no amount of explanation or correction could stop it. Even today, more than a century later, otherwise reputable sources still sometimes repeat the made-up history of Millard Fillmore and the first White House bathtub. H.L. Mencken's bathtub hoax demonstrated, a little too effectively, how quickly and easily a lie can be embraced as truth. In the age of social media, AI, and cable news, that lesson feels more relevant than ever. But thankfully, even though false facts now spread faster and more pervasively thanks to the internet, the way to guard against them is still much the same. Don't assume that something is accurate just because it appeals to you. For as Mencken wrote in 1926, what ails the truth is that it is mainly uncomfortable and often dull. The human mind seeks something more amusing and more caressing. And so, into our most solemn and serious reflections, fictions enter. And three times out of four, they quickly crowd out all the facts. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. Also, if you have any feedback you'd like to share, feel free to pass it along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride 
the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.